Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. And so I'm going to get right into it today. We're starting a brand new series I'm very excited about. Uh, mainly because I'm excited about the impact that I know that it's going to have on your life. And, uh, and even for those that hear this afterwards on our podcast and elsewhere, I know it's going to have uh, an impact on their lives as well. And so I'm going to read to you if we can. And I'm going to get into the Bible. I'm going to go right to Ezekiel chapter 37. It's in the Old Testament. If you, if you have a Bible and you kind of open it up in the middle, you're going to be really close to it. Ezekiel chapter 37. And uh, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord, this is the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And he says, The Lord took, me, uh, took a hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become, a living, can become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, You alone know the answer to that. And then... He's, uh, he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am uh, going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover, your, uh, cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Somebody say, come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then I watched as muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these bodies so that they may live. And so I spoke the message as he had commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all, um, they all came to life and stood on their feet, a great army. Let me pray real quick. Father, we just ask that in the moments that we have together this morning, uh, Father, I pray that we, our hearts would be sponges. God, open up our hearts. Open up our minds to hear what you're trying to say. God, we don't have it all figured out yet. Uh, we need you. We need your word. We need your Holy Spirit actively, powerfully alive inside of us. And so I pray that in the moments that we have here today, Lord, that you would help us to receive and grow and learn and become uh, followers of you like never before in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. 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 So it hasn't been that long that Kara and I and our kids have been here in Reno. It was 2017, Thanksgiving week of 2017, that we moved our family out here with the dream and the, and the goal of launching and pioneering a brand new church. Uh, we took the next year, 2018, all the way up until September to, to go out around Reno and meet people and build what we called a launch team and, and, and just kind of give this vision to people. Hey, this, we want to do this church and, and this is what God's put in our heart. We have a passion to reach people that are are far from God and people that maybe never thought that church was supposed to be a thing for them. And, and we, we, will you help us build and start this church? And a lot of people said yes. And so September 23rd of 2018, we launched Convo Church and we've been doing this ever since. And so we're, we're, we're not quite at six months, but we're about at the pretty close to the six month mark. 
And, uh, and it's significant, you know, we're halfway through our first year with many, many years to go. Uh, but we realized that, that when we moved to Reno, there was a desire in us to come to Reno because we had heard and research had told us that this city was one of the most unchurched, unreached cities in our nation, percentage-wise, per capita-wise. And so we came here with, with that vision in mind to say, you know what, we feel like God has put something in us that is going to help bring life to where there is death, to help bring fresh breath to something that is, that is dried out. And when we got here, started talking with other people around the city and, and uh, other churches and other leaders, wanted to meet people, wanted to kind of see what the climate was. And, and, uh, and we were very quickly able to realize there, there is a need. There is a significant need. And on top of that, it is a beautiful place filled with beautiful people, filled with incredible potential. But that potential doesn't come to life until we begin to speak life and breathe life into what is dead. Amen. And so we came here and we, people started saying things like, hey, it's really brave of you to come to Reno to start a church. This is a place where, where, uh, where pastors come to die. And I'm like, well, th thank you. Thank you for that word of encouragement. I moved my family across the nation so that you could tell me that. Thank you. Um, but I realized that, that there was the potential for that to happen if the mindset and the words that we speak and the life that we live and what we're believing for and what we're working together for isn't on track with what God is doing. And the reason why I love this, uh, this passage in Ezekiel 37 is, uh, for, for one, this is kind of like the theme for our year. Every year, uh, back, back at the beginning of February, February 3rd, we had our very first ever vision day for Convo Church. We're gonna do that every single year where we uh, take one day at the beginning of the year and, uh, and we will lay out vision that my wife and I believe God has spoken to us for our church to enact in this year. And so the, the theme that, that God spoke to us for this year, for 2019, is just two simple words, speak life. Speak life. And so that's going to be the, 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 the title of this series that we do between now leading up to Easter. Man, I'm hoping and I'm praying that every single week that you will come back to get the next installment of it. Don't, don't you be one of those that's like, well, it's on a podcast now, so I'm good. I can, just, I can just stay at home and wait for the podcast. No, because it's not about you coming here to hear me. It's about you coming here to be a part of this thing together. Amen. And, uh, and so we, we began to, to ask God, God, what are you doing? What do you want to see happen? What are you, what are, God, what are you believing for in, our, in this city? Because how many know you can believe for something to happen? I would prefer to find out what God wants to see happen, and then I'll just hop on that wagon if that makes sense. Instead of trying to reinvent or, or you know, we want to hear what God is saying, and we want to be a part of that. And if you look around our city, and sometimes it can be a little bit intimidating because I see the need is great. The need is significant, whether it's broken families and broken marriages, whether it's prostitution, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's homelessness, whether it's drug addiction, opioid addiction, seeing uh, the suicide rate within our young people as well as adults, uh, the mental health issues that we're dealing with. Like there is a significant need and I think that God has called us to not just speak life into it, that's where it has to start, but begin to act on what we're speaking and be the very hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus Christ for our city. And as as we do that, we're going to see happen exactly what the prophet Ezekiel saw begin to happen in that valley of dry bones, a, a, a valley that is just filled with potential but currently is at a state where there doesn't seem to be much of a pulse. 
But we're going to begin to speak the word of God. We're going to begin to be the hands and feet of God. We're going to begin to see uh, bones come together and flesh begin to cover. And we're going to see the breath of God breathed into, into our city. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you will grab hold of this and believe us, not just hearing it from a pastor for a church, but believe it for yourself, that there is something that God wants to do in and through you. There's an impact that only you can have on this city. And maybe it just starts with your family. Maybe your, maybe your world right now is what is right in front of your face. And, and that's okay. But uh, today I want you to realize that um, our words have power. So each one of us, listen, each one of us is 100% responsible, not always for what is said to you, but you're responsible for how you receive what is said to you. And you're 100% responsible for the words that we choose to speak into other situations. Does that make sense? Uh, I know, like, growing up, everyone's had people on both the positive and the, and the negative spectrum when it comes to things being spoken into you. You know, you remember maybe it's coaches that believed in you and said that you could accomplish something. Maybe it's a, a crazy relative that just always kind of had something negative to say for whatever reason. Like, you'll, oh, you're just that crazy kid, you'll never amount to anything, but, you know, that type of person. Or maybe it's somebody that in, in, a, in an abusive relationship just, just tore you down throughout your relationship and made you eventually begin to believe the things that they were saying. Or maybe it's just the flip side. Maybe you had that, that person in your life that you never saw it in yourself, but they continue to speak hope and speak life and build you up with their words. And see, that's the thing. We're responsible for what we allow in, and we're responsible for what we speak out. And so today, if you will, we're taking notes at Convo Church. We are a note-taking church, whether it's on your phone, whether it's in your journal. And that's because today we speak words that are going towards our Monday through Saturday. That's what, that's what we do here. That's what this is all about. And so I encourage you to do that. So, but I need you to help me with uh, today's message title. If you will, can you turn to somebody next to you and say, because you have to make eye contact. That's what makes this work. And say, my words matter. All right, now, now look at somebody else. Look at somebody else. Hold that eye contact. Come on, that's okay. And say, my words matter. My words matter. That's so cool. Science is great, but I like science even better when it begins to prove what the Word of God already says. It's, uh, it's so much fun. And so I started to kind of look up recently a couple of, I wanted to see what the, what the uh, uh, psychological, the psychiatry world was saying when it came to like our words and happiness and, and all this type of stuff. And I found this amazing article uh, that's in Psychology Today. And, and this is what they say. They said if they were to put... Uh, you into, it's called an fMRI scanner, and that's the type of MRI machine that literally scans your brain and it can see, uh, it can see the way that your brain is firing based on what's going on. It can see the brain activity in your head based on responses to external stimulus. And it says, and, and they were to flash the word no for less than one second right in front of you, it would suddenly release dozens of stress-producing hormones and neurotransmitters. These chemicals immediately interrupt the function of your brain, impairing logic, reason, language processing, and communication. In fact, just seeing, now listen to this, there's a couple of key words here, just seeing with your eyes a list of negative words for a few seconds will make a highly anxious or depressed person feel even worse. And the more you uh, ruminate on them, which is just continue to kind of stew on that, uh, the more you will actually damage the key structures that regulate your memory, your feelings, and your emotions. Now, quick parallel, that is your soul. 
Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. And so this is having a negative impact on your soul. It says that you'll disrupt your sleep and your appetite and your ability to experience long-term happiness and satisfaction. But if you vocalize, so first we're seeing if we see negative words, but this says if we vocalize your negativity, more stress chemicals will be released not only in your brain, but also, also in the listener's brain as well. The listener will experience increased anxiety and irritability, thus undermining cooperation and trust. Like just begin to like superimpose this scenario into your uh, relationships right now. In fact, just hanging around negative people will make you more prejudiced towards other people. That's crazy. Any form of negative rumination or again, just kind of stewing on negative thoughts, for example, worrying about your financial future or your health, will stimulate the release of destructive neurochemicals. And the same holds true for children. The more negative thoughts they have, the more likely they are to experience emotional turmoil. But if you teach, check this out. This is just, these are scientists talking. They're not even preaching. Well, they are, but they don't even know it. It says, if you teach them to think positively, then you can turn their lives around. Let me, let me say that the way the Bible says that. If you teach the children in the way that they should go, come on, they're going to get it. It says they, they will not turn from it. And even if they do, they will return back to what they were taught in a positive sense. We call that speaking life. So negative thinking is also uh, self-perpetuating. Uh, where it'll, Like the more you think negatively, it will create more negative thoughts that just begin to feed itself. And it says that the more that you engage in negative dialogue at home or at work, the more difficult it becomes to stop. It almost creates an addiction type of situation. But negative words spoken with anger, listen, do even more damage. They send alarm messages throughout the brain, uh, interfering with decision-making centers in the frontal lobe. This, we're all going to be so smart now. And this increases a person's propensity to act irrationally. So when you're in an angry situation and you are speaking negative words within that angry situation, and I can't speak for the ladies, I can only speak for the guys on this particular one. There's a reason why men uh, end up doing so many really stupid things when we are so angry because we literally, we can't now, guys, don't even try to be like, well, I can't control myself anymore because it's that brain thing you talked about. No, you're in control, but our brain uh, waves begin to get interfered with what's happening and we begin to make more and more irrational thoughts and irrational decisions, whether that's punching holes in walls, whether that's storming out of a house and getting into a car and driving off at 100 miles an hour just because we're angry, or whether it's at a bar and we drink too much and instead of walking away, we step into a situation that we never stepped into. I could go on, but I'll, I'll stop at that. It says that um, fear-provoking words like poverty, illness, and death also stimulate the brain in negative ways. And even if these fearful thoughts are not real or other parts of your brain uh, react to negative fantasies as though they were actual threats occurring in the outside world. So literally, the defense mechanisms that God put in your brain to protect your brain, when you begin to focus on negative thoughts and negative scenarios, it cr literally creates a battle uh, neurologically in your brain where how God created you is trying to battle it against the thoughts that are coming in that are against what God says and who God says you are. That's crazy. Thank you, science. Anyway, it says, curiously, we seem to be hardwired to worry. And perhaps an artifact of old memories carried over from ancestral times when there were countless threats to our survival. So what these scientists are saying is that there's a chance 
that some of the craziness and the fear and the worry that you deal with doesn't even come from your own life, but could potentially be things that have passed down in your DNA from generations past that now you are dealing with today. Now, the Bible would refer to that as us dealing with the sins of our fathers and, you know, kind of a metaphor for further generations being passed down throughout the generations. Now, here's something that is super cool, and then we'll stop kind of being into the nerdy science stuff, but I think this is important for us to understand. More and more neuroscience is proving the fact that negative experiences and negative thoughts are creating chemicals that burn permanent neurons in our brain that is actually becoming code that is being embedded into our DNA. Like this is crazy scientific. We'll get more practical here in a moment. But I want you to realize that, that you are actually, when we allow negative thoughts and negative words and negative scenarios to continue to build inside of us, you are literally building negative DNA inside of you that unless we deal with it at the root and get, give it to God and allow that to be completely removed from us, it will be passed down to the next generation. It's crazy. So check this out. It's very possible that, uh, that struggling with brokenness and struggling with negativity, this is coming from generations. Uh, but this article goes on to say that positive words actually begin to reprogram your brain. And it usually takes three positive words to replace one negative word. And so I, what I love about this is that there is so much that goes on around us that we would try to equate to, you know, what does my horoscope say today? And, and just positive thinking and positivity and just self-help and, and I'm just going to be a good person. And that's great. That's a good place to start. But we have to realize that all the things that we're seeing other people discover and science discover is echoing what is already existing in the Word of God. It's complementing the way that God says that we should be living and having a relationship with him and trusting him. And the words that we speak are not just words. They don't just fall on the ground. No word that anyone speaks ever just falls to the ground. Every word is going to plant a seed somewhere, somehow. And we want to be people who are planting seeds that are going to give life. Amen? That's a great place to say amen. Now check this out. <clears throat> oh, when they say it, I thought this was interesting. At the very end of this article, they say, our advice, I'm like, okay, well, what's your, what's your advice? Our advice, choose your words wisely and speak them slowly. And this will allow you to interrupt the brain's propensity to be negative. And as research has shown, the mere repetition of positive words like love, peace, compassion. Let me throw a few more in there that come from the Bible. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's in Galatians chapter 5. That's a fruit of the Spirit of God. The more that you do that, it will begin to transform your genes and will produce something positive that you will pass on to the next generation. That's crazy. The Bible would say it this way. In James 1.19 it says, You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry, because human anger does not produce the, righteous, the righteousness God desires. So if we're going to do everything that God has called us to do in our families, in our churches, in our communities, in our city, we must replace negative thoughts and words with God's truth and God's word. That's what these scientists are ultimately saying. I love it. I love it when science begins to prove what already exists in the word of God. Now let me give you the scripture in Philippians chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to give you a handful of scriptures today. I hope you're writing these things down. And, uh, you know, don't be that person. Everyone else is pulling out their phone and their journal. And you're just sitting here like, no, I got a photographic memory. We're good. I got this thing covered. Don't be that guy. Philippians 4, starting in verse 4 through 8, it says, Be cheerful and joyous. Uh, 
Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled into different directions or worried about a thing. Somebody say, don't be worried about a thing. Somebody should write a song about that. That's a good one. It says, be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life and God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding. Other translations will say that peace that surpasses our understanding. It doesn't make sense to us, but it even goes beyond that. We'll make the answer known to you through Jesus Christ. So here we go, verse 8. This is, a, this is a famous one. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind. And, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Our words come from our thoughts, and that's not rocket science, but we need to be alert and conscientious of this reality. My words matter. So say it again. Say, my words matter. <clears throat> uh, it actually even says in Proverbs 18, uh, verses 20 and 21, uh, in the message it says, Words satisfy the mind as much as fruit does the stomach. Good talk is as gratifying as a good harvest. Verse 21, check this out. Words kill, words give life. They are either poison or fruit you choose. Words kill, words give life, you choose. Your confession, check this out now. Your confession is what will become your reality. Your confession, which is the words that you speak. When you're speaking into a situation, you are confessing about that situation. If you go to court and if you did something wrong, you're confessing in what you did. If you, if you feel like there's something in my life I have to get right, then you're confessing something out of your mouth. You're creating a statement that you're going to stand on. Positive confessions are confessions that draw you closer to God. You can check this out. There are kind of two different confessions on the positive end that are going to create positive change in your life. Here's the first one. You can confess sin in your life and invite God to make his home where that sin used to live. A lot of people are good at confessing sin, but we leave it vacant. You're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know, you know I shouldn't have said that thing. Or, you know, I'm really, you know, God, I'm really sorry that I, I went and, you know, fill in the blank for whatever your situation is. But where we stop short is where we need to ask God to come and invite him to make his home where we were allowing that sin to exist. But that is a confession that will draw you closer to God. And here's another one. You can confess who God is, not how the world says God is, not how in our brokenness we see God, but who God actually is based on what his word says about him. We can confess who God is and we can confess who we are in Christ. And we're about to do this in a second. It's going to be absolutely amazing. But this will strengthen your life. This will strengthen your brain, even, even scientifically. And it will strengthen your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions to begin to grow into what God has created you to be from the very beginning. God didn't create you with your brokenness in mind. He created you with your purpose in mind. And there's such a substantial difference in that. And so here's the thing. When you begin to confess the right positive things out of your mouth, and especially in the context of having your eyes fixed on God, you begin to magnify God in your life. Now, what does magnify mean? Well, if you take a glass, you know, a magnifying glass, put it over something, what does it do? It makes it look bigger. 
Now, when we begin to put our focus on God, we begin to magnify God in our life. Now, we're not making God physically, you know, tangibly, measurably bigger in his essence. We're making God bigger in our existence because we're putting our attention on something. If you stare at something long enough, everything that's on the outside of it begins to fade away and you begin to focus on what you are seeing. When I first saw my wife, I began to, you know, focus intently on her and everything else just began to like magically fade away and all I could see was the beauty that radiated. Oh, she's so embarrassed. And she's really good at taking compliments. Anyway, so Luke, Luke chapter one, verses 46, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she says this. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. She was making a confession that she was standing on, her soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. My mind will magnify the Lord. My emotions will magnify the Lord. My will is what I choose to do in whatever situation I am faced with. My will is that I will choose to magnify the Lord when somebody's talking down at me. I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord with my soul when everything is going wrong. I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord when they're taking advantage of me at work. I'm going to choose to magnify the Lord when, when everything I'm expecting to happen isn't working out the way I had hoped, I will magnify the Lord with my soul. And as you make God bigger in your world and in your life, everything else, the negativity begins to fade away. This is not a self-help message just about positive speak and just talk better and everything magically gets better. No, it's about keeping your eyes fixed on who God is and who God says you are and not listening to the, to the rabble and, and the other negative thoughts that people are trying to bring into your world. Sometimes maybe you got to check out of social media because there's, because as we all know, there's so much positivity there. Maybe you got to stop watching the news because all it is is a bunch of crap that's filling you with negativity. Maybe it's not, you know, we've got to keep my eyes on my heart, my soul focused on God, and as I begin to have a revelation of who he is through his word, and as he begins to help me realize who he created me to be, everything else will begin to fade away. I begin to step into my purpose. Then you will be the person that will be able to speak life into the world around you. If you're going to clap, do it together. <laughs> Sorry. That just makes me laugh. That makes me laugh a little bit. A negative word, listen to this, a negative word is a word that contradicts the way that God sees you and what God speaks about you. So negativity, isn't, it isn't just somebody else's opinion. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how in Ephesians chapter 6, there's, there's, a, there's a spiritual battle that's taking place. That we do have an enemy, but the enemy is, is not people, it's not flesh and blood. Blood. The enemy is the devil, the powers of darkness. And so even when there's flesh and blood being used to bring that negativity at us, we have to remind ourselves that person is not my enemy. That person is, I have no idea what has happened in their life to bring them to the point to be used like this, but they are not my enemy, therefore I will not treat them that way. I will not treat them as my enemy. Negativity is just allowing what the enemy says about you and about God and about your life into your life. We need to be able to stand against that. So um, we're responsible for the words that we choose to receive. We're responsible for the words that we choose to speak. And let us be people, and I, I'm really, I believe this wholeheartedly, I'm passionate about this. I want our church to be a church that when people come to us, like, hey, you know, what do you guys think about, uh, what do you think about your city? I want our church to be the type of people that are saying, we feel like this is the greatest city on the face of the planet. Yeah, well, you guys have, you know, all kinds of problems and whatever. And it's like, who doesn't? But I tell you what, of all the people that have problems, we're the best of them. 
We are the best. I want us to be the people that even when it is stupid and doesn't make sense and people begin to look cross-eyed at us, we're still the ones speaking life into our city. We're not the ones saying this is how it's always been. This is how it was when my grandparents were here. This is how it was when my parents were here. And it's probably just how it's going to be while I'm here. And this is how it's going to be for my kids. No, we're going to be the ones that break the cycle of what the enemy has meant to destroy what God created. We're going to be the ones that speak life into our families. We're going to speak life into our marriages. We're going to speak life into our relationships. We're going to be the person that when we show up to work on Monday and we clock in, we are the person that literally light comes into the room when we enter the place. There's one of our team members that had, uh, that he, he works in the construction world, and, and, uh, and he's just that guy. Like, he carries, he's not the guy that walks in, you know, to the construction site, and he's like, hey, guys, you know, I'm here for work. Hey, I just want to share something with you real quick. You know, he's not doing that. He's just being himself, but himself is somebody that has the light and the love of God inside of him. And when he shows up on the job site, guys are just, like, dropping, you know, man, your mother, you know, you're just awesome. I don't know why, bleep. you know, they're just, we can't, we can't echo what's being said on the job site here in this room particularly. But... You know, insert those adjectives and those fillers, but they're basically saying, man, I just love it when you're here at work because there's something different about this place when you're here. I wonder if, if we collectively as a church could carry that into our city. I wonder if we could carry that when we leave here today, if we could carry that into the car with our family. I wonder if we could carry it from the car into our home when we get home. And all of a sudden, instead of what we dealt with when we got up this morning trying to get to church, we take something different back with us. I wonder if we can carry this life speak into our everyday conversations. You know, that's why we named this church what it is, Convo Church, it's conversation. We want to bring the love and the grace of God into everyday conversations, influencing every sphere of life. So we're going to do something real quick here as we wrap this thing up. And I hope you guys are okay with interaction. Uh, all my guests, don't get nervous. We're not going to make anybody stand up or like, you know, play musical chairs or anything. Uh, no, we might make you stand up. I don't know. But you'll be able to stay where you are. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to read you. We're going to go through this list of because you are in Christ, this is who you are. This is your identity. This is what God says about you. This is what the Bible says about who you are. So here's what we're going to do. We need to practice. I'm going to say one, and then you're going to repeat. You're going to say, yes, I am, okay? So let's practice. We're just going to do a little practice real quick. Say, I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Okay, that's not bad. That's not bad. This section over here was a little quiet. I'm not trying to single any section out, but I just did, no. And uh, so let's try this one more time. Say, I am a child of God. Woo, okay, here we go. Now you say, yes, I am. You say, all right. All right, let's try this again. And I'm going to go through it, but I'm not going to go slow. We're going to like, we're going to rapid fire this bad boy. And if you want, it'll be up on the screen. You can take a picture and whatever, because you should want to take these and just kind of like look over these every single week. Here we go. I am a child of God. I am a spiritual contributor, not a spiritual consumer. I am alive. I am filled with life. uh, Take two. I am faith-filled, life-speaking, fully devoted follower of Christ. I am am Christ's ambassador. I am am a masterpiece. I am am content in Christ alone. I am am chosen. I am am determined to to love God and people with everything I have. I am am a child of God. I am am strengthened by God who upholds me, protects me, and defends me. I I am joyful. I I am joyful. I am joyful. I I thought y'all needed to hear that one a couple of times. I am gentle. I I am not easily offended. It will not hold on to bitterness. I I am patient. 
Come on, don't get tired. I am faithful. I am self-controlled. I am kind. I am known even before I was born. I am steady. I am not alone. God is with me. Come on, we're almost there. Y'all are doing great. Keep with me. I am loved. I am fierce in confidence and boldness because God is with me. I am free. I am healed. I am unashamed. Somebody should be standing up on their feet right now. I am called and equipped to go after the righteous desire God puts in my heart. I am strong. I am fearless. I am secure. I'm not a people pleaser because I answer to God. I am a new creation. I am not shaken. I am not stuck in worry because Jesus offers peace that this world cannot give. I am born again. I am more than a conqueror. I am named by God. I am the light of the world. I am mighty in his power. Last one, I am the church and I exist for this world. Come on, can we give God a hand clap this morning? Church, I'm telling you, the way that we speak needs to change. And what we believe about, what we hear needs to change. Doesn't mean that we walk around with some weird thing on our head just trying to silence all the negativity. It means that something inside of us has shifted. Something that we that is controlling the way that we operate, the way that we see the world around us needs to shift and change. Because somebody, listen, when you leave this room today, negativity is waiting for you. But you don't have to receive it. You don't have to accept it. You can live in a state of believing the word of God for yourself. And even when somebody tries to throw a big negative snowball in your face, you can say, that's okay, man. That's okay. I'm good. I know who I am. I'm secure who I am in God. You can say all you want. And I'm still not going to hate on you because I realize that who God made me to be is incredible. And then you spin it. And who God made you to be is incredible. Did you know that God created you with purpose? Did you know that before you were even born that God saw your face, saw your name, saw all the plans that he had for you? Did you know that the, 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 the life that God has for you is good and pleasing and it's perfect? They won't know what to say. And at the very least, they're probably never going to talk negativity to you again. Maybe, maybe never talk to you again. And for some of us, that would be a great thing. Because sometimes there are relationships in our lives that it might be best for you to cut it out and move in a different direction. I'm not, I'm not preaching some gospel where it's just let's all Christians get together and huddle together and let's keep the evil out. No, God has sent us to be light in the darkness. That means we got to go out into the darkness and we got to bring who we are through Christ into those environments. But it does mean that you should be wise about who you are rolling with in your life because you need to make changes if you cannot change what's happening in your mind. Sometimes our surroundings can be the very thing that begins to transform what's on the inside. That is why it is so important. Here's my, my shameless pastor plug. It is so important for us to be dedicated as much as we can to being in an environment like this every week with each other. Not because you're checking some church box. Nobody needs that, but we need each other. And so we come here and we create this space so you can come and you can, you can feed off of the spirit of God that's alive in somebody else. Maybe you came in, worst week ever, but maybe the person next to you had the best week ever. And they're worshiping like crazy and you're like, man, I don't even feel it, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship like that anyway. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you're like, I'm not going to worship God because of what's going on in my life. I'm going to worship God because of who he is and allow that to transform what is happening inside of my life. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. 
If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.